What is up, everybody? Welcome into the official Maze and Brew Hoops podcast. I am Chris Castellani, joined by my friend and boss, Anthony Broom. Anthony, that, that team in Ann Arbor, that's a squad. I mean, that, that's that's the takeaway from, from the, this last week's worth of games. Uh, and we've talked about it basically the entire season, but... And we'll cover it all today. Two wins for Michigan, two very impressive wins. One, an all-timer on Sunday in Columbus against the Buckeyes. And and we'll we'll cover them both. We'll start with probably the the less sexy of the two games, obviously. An impressive win nonetheless, and one that's worth talking about. Michigan on Thursday at home in their first home game in uh, close to a month. Maybe it might have even been over a month. Uh, played Rutgers one seventy one to sixty four. This is a bit of a strange game. I was worried that this could have that potential kind of trap game, uh, you know, aura to it. And early on, very early on, it felt that way because you saw Rutgers throwing in some ridiculous shots, a lot of long twos. Their their game is those kind of mid range jumpers, and you saw Geo Baker throwing a few early on. But it just speaks to the relentlessness of this Michigan offense, where you just you can shut down a player or two and then just another one pops up and Michigan in this game got some really good minutes off the bench. In the first half, you had Brandon Johns, Austin Davis, and Chandy Brown all contributed, all made big buckets. Austin Davis was three for three from the floor. Brandon Johns with five points off the bench. It's like every time livers may not be hitting, he only had seven points and Dickinson only with 10 struggled a little bit, but it just speaks to the depth this team you can't keep them down for long they were up by nine at the end of the first half and we've seen so many times with how good this team is we've seen them in the second half of games hit that second gear where it goes from okay it's 10 now all of a sudden it's 25 and it's on ice you were waiting for that run the entire second half and it never it never came I was never worried that they were gonna well I take that back because I'm always I'm I'm always worried they're going to lose. But realistically, a, a, a person with a more level head probably would not have been worried that they were going to lose this game. And yet, Michigan, in the latter part of that basketball game, I won't say did a poor job, but could have done a much better job of asserting themselves offensively. But either way, it was a seven-point you know, win at home against a, what is a scrappy Rutgers team. Yeah, I mean, every time you play, you play Rutgers – which is it's weird to say this but this is the difference between the basketball program and the football program which i mean we'll give them respect to they played harder and much better this year too yeah should should have beat us yeah honestly yeah well that's a conversation that we've had (laughs) several times already (laughs) many times yeah (laughs) uh, yeah you know that whenever you get in a game with those guys that you're in for again it's a term i like to use we've used it around here one of those rock fight or those bar fight type of games and you know I, i think it speaks to a lot of the caliber of a team that Michigan is that you, I mean, Rutgers was absolutely playing its ass off. They are, they are so well coached and they, you know, anything they may lack in talent and here come the cliches, but anything that they lack in talent, they make up for in, in grit. They, they, they hustle, they, they play good defense. Like that's kind of what Rutgers basketball is right now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just a ball of grit and, it's a very different challenge. You know, like I said, the thing about the Big Ten is that we know that night in and night out, everyone provides a little bit of a different challenge. And and Rutgers is, you know, outside of maybe two or three teams this year, um, Rutgers is one of those teams in this conference that on their best night can give you 
could give you a rough go of it. And, and even with all of that, it's a game where you see Michigan struggle early. You know, it mm-hmm. seems like one of the, if there is a negative trademark of this team is that they do get off to a little bit of a sloppy start or at least don't quite hit their stride, you know, when that first, from when the time the ball's tipped to that first TV timeout. Um, but from there, I mean, Michigan led by, I believe as many as 18 or 19 in the second half, there was the score. Uh, this, this is what that game was in a nutshell. So Michigan goes up by almost 20. Then they don't score for six minutes. Right. And you come out of that and you're still up by double digits. Mm-hmm. And it took Rutgers an even more Herculean effort than that to get it to within single digits, you know, in the last minute of play or so. So again, um, you're not going to be at your best every night. You certainly, certainly weren't against uh, Wisconsin the first half of that game. You weren't for stretches of the game against Rutgers. And we'll talk about, you know, the game on Sunday that is the big one. But uh, like I said, if that's, if that's a down night for you, I mean, listen, it is, (laughs) it tells you what you need to know about where this team is at and, you know, what the, what those bad days look like, because if that's what those bad days look like, I mean, we know what the worst day looks like the Minnesota game, but nothing went right that day and you didn't have Eli Brooks. So it's just, it's unimpressive. I mean, I'm impressed by how unimpressive it was. If that makes sense. That's fair. That That's fair that you could play a game against a good team and give a, you know, a six out of 10 performance and still win fairly comfortably. Seven feels close, but it was, you know, like it was you said, never Herculean, that close. Herculean effort at the end. You throw in a couple threes. It was not, it wasn't three. And then Michigan made a couple free throws down the stretch. This thing was comfortably in hand. Uh, maybe there was maybe a brief moment where I, you know, I started to get a little bit nervous, you know, more nervous than I, than I usually am. But for the most part, uh, a fairly, you know, a, a comfortable win for Michigan. And, you know, I am impressed by Rutgers. And as I say this, they're, they're kind of getting their teeth kicked in by Maryland right now. And they have 39 points with eight minutes left playing against the Terrapins, but I, Steve Peichel to me and what that team has is they don't have as high a ceiling because they're, they will always struggle to get, you know, top tier talent, but it's similar to me. He reminds me a bit of like early John Beeline where it's like his teams, they do not have the most talent, but uh, I think there's, there's a cohesiveness that group, I think everybody's all in and they're scrappy as hell, assuming they do make the tournament, which I believe they will. Uh, they will be a tough out because they, 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 they play good defense and they do have a more experience than most teams, uh, probably with guys like Geo Baker who have been there forever. I mean, who Geo Baker's approaching Perry Ellis levels of like, God, is this guy <laughs> ever going to graduate? So no, that, that's, that's a tough team. And Michigan with a solid enough effort uh, to win their first home game in, in a long time. And then, yeah, let's just uh, one one more thing, real quick. Uh, Franz Wagner was the best player on the floor, and by a substantial amount, and they couldn't handle his length. He was shooting the ball well, playing with a lot of confidence. That was, and we Mason Bruce tweeted about it, and several other people have. That was lottery pick Franz Wagner uh, showing up in Chrysler against uh, the Scarlet Knights, and really, that's what that's what pushed this thing from potentially being, hey man, this might be a, a rock fight, like you said, to okay, Michigan's got this because in made a run late in that first half led mainly by him and they couldn't stop him. And he even, he really put the thing on ice in the second half with a big shot uh, following uh, in Austin Davis rebound to uh, put the, put them up. I believe it was 11 and really kind of put the thing away. So that was a tremendous performance by him. 
Let's move on to what was a I'm glad we're getting game. out of this game because I had a really bad joke about Geo Baker, but we're just going to we're going to let that go. Well, okay. you, you can tell me off the air and we'll decide whether or not we should <laughs> we well, should have put it. I, I kind of want to tell it now since I brought okay, it. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Get the audience. It's going totally, like I totally just ruined the setup for it. So I was going to say uh, Geo Baker has been around long enough where I'm waiting for him to clock out and join uh, the candlestick maker or something. I don't know. <laughs> It was really bad and really cringy, and it sounded yeah. even worse Oof. once it left my mouth. Okay, uh, on, but, onward, uh, onward. Moving on, moving on to better things. Um, Michigan in a top five matchup on the road against Ohio State. This was the marquee game. I mean, you could argue this was the marquee game of college basketball so far this year. I mean, a big rivalry game in Columbus, Michigan, uh, I believe, coming into this was two games ahead of Illinois and two games, I believe, ahead of uh, Ohio State, at least in terms of the, the, the loss column. They go on the road and win 95 to 87. And I texted you guys this at the end of the first half. And I it really, the second half was about the same. This was one of the best Big Ten games I've ever watched. Straight. I mean, this thing felt like a Final Four game. You know how good this game was? This game was so it made me forget that there were no fans there. The intensity that this game had was second to none, 92 to 87. You think, wow, a lot of offense was defense optional. No, defense was great. There were hands in people's faces the entire game. Both these teams knocked down shot after shot. The biggest lead in the first half was five. And, you know, I, look, it feels great to beat Ohio State all the time. And we haven't had to sell, we haven't been able to celebrate that a lot in either one of these sports that often over the last couple of years. But that, team in Ohio State is damn good and if there's a guy capable of returning Ohio State to that kind of prime that they had you know 07 to 2013 I think Chris Holtman is doing an unbelievable job but despite all of that Michigan on the road gets as impressive a victory as you're gonna have I don't I dude I don't even know what to say about this one it's (laughs) just a goliath of a performance by this basketball team and every, it seemed like everyone played particularly well. There were guys who were better than others, but this was an absolute dogfight. It was a true joy to watch. And as it felt, man, it felt good. They, like I said, this is, this felt like an NSA tournament game. And you know what? There's been whispers about it. I know there was that, that simulation on ESPN or whatever about these teams, maybe meeting up again in Indy. Um, I'd believe it because these are two teams that are going to make a lot of noise come tournament time. Yeah. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, objectively was, speaking, one of the most entertaining big 10 games I've ever seen. And mind you, this yeah. is a conference where it kind of got his reputation from being one of those first team to 60 uh, type of, or sometimes even less than that. So the fact that you had two, I mean, elite offensive teams, Ohio state was third on Kempom. Michigan was seventh coming into today. Uh, Predictably, both teams slipped in their defensive metrics after the game. But like you said, I don't think it was – it wasn't like an NBA game where guys just run up and down the floor. No one really gets physical. No, you know, it's it's just wide-open basketball with no defense. This wasn't that. I mean, you had guys diving around for loose balls. You had um, guys falling over like bowling pins. This was a physical game. This was a game with a lot of um, dueling FU shots, so to speak, from both sides. I mean, it was, God, one of the the most entertaining basketball games maybe that I've ever watched. And and this is one that will go down as yeah. you know, some of the regular season games that we remember from 
you know, these last 10, 15 years of Michigan basketball. I mean, it was that good. It's the second Sunday in a row where you come out, you have a CBS game, the nation's watching, they're waiting for you to kind of fall off because I mean, Michigan's good, but they're not that good. They can't, they can't possibly keep this going. Well, they kind of are now. And it's one of those, like, I'm sorry, but I've said it before. I'll keep doubling down on it because I feel like I'm batting a pretty good average. You are um, an elite average with some of the, some of my takes this year, pat myself on the back. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So somebody, somebody on our, on, on the brewcast has to (laughs) (laughs) Gonzaga and Baylor want nothing to do with, with really either of those teams. But I think more so Michigan, uh, because they are the one who comes out of the dragon's lair, holding it, you know, holding the head or having the dragon's head on a spike. Um, I've talked about before how, you know, the, the Kempom metrics as they relate to national title contenders, typically the team that wins it are those teams that are top 10 in offense, top 15 in defense. And Michigan was seventh in both coming into today. They slide to 12th after giving up. And here's a stat for you. Uh, the, obviously the most points they've given up this year, but the most points they've given up since the opener when they gave up 82 to Bowling Green. Wow. So since then it's been pretty, it's been pretty, um, you know, defense has obviously been pretty good. And early on in the year, those conversations that you and I would have, yeah. I was kind of upfront about not being sure if this team could hang its hat on its defense. Uh, I think we can. And, and the thing that the metrics don't show out, um, as we kind of turn this into, uh, you know, it's been Gonzaga, Baylor, and everyone else. Um, it, it should, I think Michigan is in that tier with them. I think they, there's, there's the big three right now. And honestly, I don't care what the rankings say. I don't care what the metrics say. When you look at who they've played and when you look at the challenges they've faced, you were off for 12 days between, you know, during the holidays. You were off for three weeks. You didn't practice for 23 days. All of this stuff going on. And the only loss on your schedule is in a game where one of your senior leaders was out and the day was just a disaster from top to bottom. There's nothing that happened in that Minnesota game that has popped up as a concern yeah. after the fact. Cause we did wonder with that loss, or is this going to be a, uh, somebody finally cracked the code. Somebody yeah. finally figured, no, it wasn't. I, and Minnesota played great. They played an awesome, awesome basketball game that day. They deserved to win. They deserved to win by a lot, but that, that wasn't a game where like every team that Michigan's played has watched the game film and figured out how to beat them. There has been very little carryover. Michigan played a bad game. They didn't have Eli Brooks and, and no, you know, there's been no, no carryover since then. There were so many sequences in this game. I mean, it was so back and forth, but you know, you brought up Michigan gave up 87 points, which is true, but what won them that game. And the reason why they outlasted Ohio state, in my opinion, was their defense in the latter part of the game. Cause in the first half, this entire thing was defined by how well both teams shot the ball. Michigan was 10 for 13 from beyond the arc in the first half. I mean, that is, that's better than NBA numbers, like the best of the NBA. And some of them were good looks. Some of them were, were tough shots. They, most of them went in, but we saw, and we texted about it a little bit back and forth. There was a moment with about 10 minutes left, maybe even before that, where you could tell, that both of these offenses, which had been so relentless up to that point, were starting to tire a little bit. And in the latter part of that game, the team that won, won because they were able to get the most stops. That's part of it. But the other part of it too is that you had a bruiser down low in Dickinson who like, you know, like a great running back in football, wore down 
Ohio State's interior defense. I mean, he I, I'm not going to call it a quiet 22, but he played, yeah, I mean, quietly played maybe not his best game of the season, but one of the most impressive because he's going up against a team that was all over him. 22 points, nine rebounds, eight for 14 from the floor, six of six from the line, uh, an amazing, amazing performance by the freshman. I mean, there's so many standouts. You had, you had five guys who were in double figures, but the two guys I want to hone in on, Eli Brooks, he missed several shots. He likes to shoot those runners, and sometimes I, I haven't seen him go in very often, but we know how good he is defensively. Early on in that game, Ohio State came out and threw some body blows, and you could tell that they were you know, at 100% capacity offensively and defensively, and you were, you were worried because they were up 4 nothing, and Ohio State took an open three with a chance to make it 7 nothing. And the last thing you want to do on the road is fall behind, especially against a quality opponent like that. Those two threes that Eli Brooks hit early on, I think set the tone for the whole game. It allowed Michigan to settle in, and you brought it up you know, last, last segment. You said that you know, Michigan has, in the past, gotten off to a few rocky starts. This Ohio State is too good of an opponent to do that against. Those two threes allowed uh, Michigan to, to settle in. He started the, the you know, Michigan scoring, and he ended it with those two big free throws at the end. But the other guy that we got to hone in on, I'm not going to call it the game of his life because, I don't know, I, this guy may be capable of more. Chondi Brown was absolutely unbelievable. On Sunday, I mean, this first of all, it's an amazing story. The fact that this guy was like a so so shooter at Wake Forest and has been like Duncan Robinson 2.0 coming off the bench and just strapping threes made his first four three point, I'm sorry, his first three three point shots today. He was six for eight from the floor with 15 huge points, had two monster rebounds offensively on one possession. And that was the moment where I'm like, all right, I think. I think they might end up pulling away and winning this thing. He was absolutely sensational. And it it's such a shame that he's only going to be here for one year. But when you talk about a guy who in one year has had the kind of impact that some guys don't have in three or four, the, the ovation that Johnny Brown is going to get when he returns to Ann Arbor, you know, when he has a night off in the NBA is going to be huge. This was for both of those seniors for, for Brooks and for Johnny Brown, legacy defining games. I mean, offensively and defensively, not only kept them in that game, but helped them win that game. Yeah, man. I mean, it's so it's tough because you want to put all these super superlatives on guys in the team. You know, Isaiah livers is the straw that stirs the drink. Franz Wagner, you know, can be the guy who takes over any given game. I truly believe that when the going gets tough, and, and Michigan needs a boost from somewhere that Shondi Brown is the heartbeat of this basketball team. And I think you see that in the way that his teammates talk about him, I think. And there are people that will say, Oh, well, he needs to play more. He's listen. I'm not any of the buttons that are being pushed right now. I'm not going to sit here and complain about um, cause that's being nitpicky. What he's brought to this team from an emotional standpoint, from a, um, offensively defensively his motor i mean this is a guy who i talked about this in a radio hit earlier this week he could start for just about any team in the country yeah and just because of the fit this i feel like michigan is and that's not to say that michigan was absolutely loaded with him before he came in but just the way that it's worked out this is what his role is and he's completely bought in He's poured his heart and soul into the, this team and, and um, 
the coaching and the role that Juwan Howard has given to him, I felt like we were overdue for like, you know, you go through the Rolodex of, okay, Sunday, last Sunday was Isaiah Livers. Thursday was Franz. You know what we haven't seen in a while? It was a, you haven't seen Eli Brooks, Shondi Brown get day. And, yeah. and to, that this was, this was that day. This game was that day. And those are the type of contributions you need to be a national title contender too, to get those contributions from the third, fourth, fifth guy who comes out of not nowhere. Cause we know both of those guys are capable of this, but just these performances that just lift you to a different place. Yeah. And Shondi Brown's addition has lifted them to, to a different place. Mike Smith. I mean, I know the numbers don't jump off the page, but the, the poise, the playmaking ability, the literal shots to the head he's taken over the last week or so. Uh, can you, I can't imagine where Michigan would even be without, without one of those guys, let alone both of them. So it just goes back to Juwan Howard pressing all of the right buttons, building a roster that, is you know obviously i'm not afraid to call him a visionary like he saw that he saw that if he built a roster that reflected this that this might be the case and it's not to say he's a soothsayer or a a psychic or anything like that but and i'm sure there are people in that building that would tell you that they didn't even expect to be as good as they are this year but it's just so it's just so so impressive the way that literally Everything outside of the season getting canceled last year and then the, the shutdown for a few weeks this year, it's, everything, has gone, everything has gone right for them that can go right. That, you know, you're not, you're not, these aren't acts of God that are taking place. This is a result right. of the work and the culture that's been built. And I, to, to see it be this much this soon, is, it's honestly still kind of overwhelming. It is bizarre. Really, because like let's let's call it for what it is. Be and we love Beeline. John Beeline's a legend. Michigan never had a regular season this good under Beeline. I mean, like maybe fourteen, you know, maybe. But even that team lost like eight games. You know, they mm-hmm. they went came came in as a two seed. They had an amazing Big Ten season. But I mean, this thing from so far, you know, still got a ways to go. Has been incredible. You know, you bring up Mike Smith and you know, we Xavier Simpson was awesome. And, and did some amazing things for the program. But I brought it up before what they were trying to do with Simpson last year. It was, it was round peg into a square hole. Now, because that dude is an at was an absolute gamer. They made it work about as well as they could have, but Mike Smith from the beginning has been a point guard. That's more suited for John Howard's offense. And that's not, that's not a knock on Simpson by any means, but you see that the way they move the ball, the way this offense is run with Mike Smith at the point uh, it's, it's just so much, smoother and a big reason for that is that there's a lot more talent on this year's team and the other thing about smith too and he, they they were hawking him all game yeah only three for nine from the floor but 11 points seven assists one turnover and this but this is an insane stat this entire game featured 16 turnovers i mean you see teams do that in the first half and for both these teams to combine for 16 shows how, how pretty this game was and one more point, and I didn't realize this till just now. One more thing I wanted to point out. I've seen on multiple occasions Justin Arns go off against some teams in the Big Ten. Uh, he can strap. His brother was a good shooter as well. 0 for 2 from the floor with zero points today. And, and as much as, yeah, Michigan gave up 87, and you had one guy in Washington who had 30 and another guy in Liddell who had 23, you know, some of those role players, some of those, those sharp shooters – uh, 
didn't come to play the way that I've seen them come to play before. And I think a big reason for that is Michigan's length and size and, and defensive prowess. This was just uh, this was just an absolutely spectacular game. And Michigan, look, if they would have lost this game, they still would have been in pretty good shape, but they're, they're full on in the driver's seat now. Now there's, they still have tough opponents to play. They got Iowa. They got, uh, they got Illinois. They still got to play MSU twice who played much better uh, on Saturday against Indiana. You know, there's, there's losable games here down the stretch, but they've had a lot of losable games. Wisconsin was losable. This game was losable. I mean, they, they keep going up against opponents that they would have reasonable excuses as to why they would lose to them and keep beating them. At a certain point, you just got to accept the fact that I don't think this team is, is afraid of anyone. I think they play with extreme confidence and the performance they put together uh, on Sunday was uh, I really just like an all timer, dude. I mean, that, that was an absolute dogfight. It was a joy to watch and the way they've risen to the occasion after every single, you know, roadblock has been, uh, has really just been awe-inspiring. Yeah, I it. I'm. St- this is like the second. This is the second Sunday in a row where I'm sitting here just like in awe of what we yeah. just watched. Um, you know, at some point, the narratives are what they are. Uh, people will say what they want, but at some point, especially in the rigors of a college basketball season where weird things can happen, especially when you go away from home, and maybe it helps like. Like, like I said before, maybe it helps that there aren't fans there because what you're seeing is these teams that are deeper and more talented than everyone else kind of just flex that depth. And that's where there is a little bit more of a, um, what I believe to be a gap between, you know, the, the Baylor's, the Gonzaga's Michigan. And I would throw Illinois in that mix as well. Um, yeah. If you, if you, especially if you saw what they did on Saturday. Yeah. Between those two teams, it just feels like between those two teams and everyone else, it feels like there's a gap there. And I think usually when you go into an NCAA tournament, you could conceivably say that there might be seven or eight teams that can win it. If things, you know, if things break right for them, I do kind of feel like it is kind of that, that group of four. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, this team is, I'm, I'm running out of adjectives. I'm running out of, like I said, superlatives, they're they're a good basketball team and and a team now that it's you know we've sort of touched on this before it might be michigan's you know most national title ready team Um, this might be the best michigan basketball team that we've seen since since again since juan was a player i mean i I know those trey burke teams were good um some good beeline teams i mean that's it's so crazy to say that because they went to two national title games, but there's nothing that this team doesn't do well. And they have a coach that guys love to play for. And that is pressing every single right button right now. Yeah. So it's, I think the fear, what it's starting to become is less of a fear that the other shoe is going to drop and more of a relaxation in that. Let's, let's stay on the ride. Let's, see where this goes and let's enjoy it for what it is, especially because it has been just such a, such a terrible calendar year. I mean, it, we're coming up on almost exactly a year since everything went to hell. And, and the fact that this team is doing this with everything that they faced, it's Juwan Howard's the national coach of the year. I don't care what you say. He's gotta be right. Like, I mean, I, you the no brainer. Yeah. He's gotta be right now. I, I mean, I don't, I, cause 
there hasn't been any other coach that has exceeded expectations more than he has. And, and yeah, no, it's, it's been remarkable, but you know, Luke texted us and that, you know, how does the, how do they keep doing this? And we, and your response was because they're good. And, and, and that's <laughs> like, that's a very simple response, but throughout, there were many points in the beeline era, maybe 13 and 14 being the exception, especially 13, but there were many times in the beeline era where, it felt like they had to kind of draw up in the sandbox a plan of attack, if you know what I mean. Like there were a lot of times in which Beeline was the absolute master of doing the most with what he had. And I've said this before that there's only been, there was one year in his entire tenure here in which I thought they had the most talent of anybody in the Big Ten. Even that's debatable because Indiana was loaded in 2013. This team is just really talented. And yes, they're well coached and they play smart defense and they don't beat themselves and they don't turn the ball over very often. But they're, you know, talent beats out everything. I mean, it's why, like, yes, you see a team like, you know, George Mason or VCU get to the final four, but yet when they do, they have to go up against a Duke or North Carolina and they get their teeth kicked in. Why? Because those teams are just far more talented. I think this is the first Michigan team, maybe that we've ever seen, that is flexing their muscles in a similar way to how the fab five did and, and you know, ult- ultimate irony there, you know, one of the fab five is now uh, coaching at Michigan, but yeah, it's, it's an incredibly fun team to watch. It's a confident team. And uh, m- what makes it the most fun is that it's a team that just keeps winning all the time and doing it against good teams. I mean, how many times have we talked with the, about the football program and been like, man, they can't, you know, those, those road games, those wins against top 10 teams, they struggle. You don't have to worry about that with this program right now. They're beating top 15 teams. They're beating top 10 teams. They just beat a top five team on the road. So yeah, I mean, nothing but positives. And, and I said it last week, you know, it's, we're, we're nothing if not fair. And if there's a whole lot of negativity going on, we'll call, we'll call it for what it is, but this is been an overwhelmingly positive experience getting to watch this team. And I, I hope for their sake, because I know how hard they're working and I know how much they want this. I hope this thing, um, I hope this thing ends well. You know, we're getting to that point where if there's one negative about this, it's that we're at a point where every game uh, is, feels more important than the last because you know what's at stake here for this team. You know what they're capable of. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I hope things continue to go well because uh, they've worked their asses off. I mean, do you have anything else to add here? No, I think to to put a put a punctuation mark on that, uh, we're looking at a situation where they have five games left, and then you have a couple more. We'll just say they have eight games left until the NCAA tournament. Um, enjoy those eight games because once you get into that NCAA tournament, you just don't know. And again, this looks like a team that's going to be a one seed. So that first weekend may be a little more stress free than it has been in years past, but. Mm-hmm enjoy this team for what it is um, and, and don't, don't get too caught up in the uh, you know, st- how they stack up to everyone else. Respect the work that's being put in um, mm. re- respect the, the players who have so much has been asked of them in the last, you know, really all season long with being tested every day and being shut down for three weeks. Just it's hard to get stressed out when you, when you know how hard those guys are working behind the scenes. Now, if things don't go right yeah, it adds a layer of hurt to it, but just, just enjoy the ride. Cause it is, it is a ride and, and it looks like something's brewing here that we're going to remember for a long time. Yeah. So just, just, just 
stay on, buckle up your seatbelt. And again, Iowa on Thursday, and you go to Indiana, then that showdown with Illinois, and then two against Michigan State. So you're going to earn it the rest of the way. There's, there's no, and there hasn't been any gimmies on here um, no. at all since he played, since he played Nebraska and on Christmas day. So just, just enjoy it guys. It, it's this year's flying by or this basketball season's flying by and don't just don't, don't get caught up in the other stuff and forget to appreciate like what's in front of you. Like we'll get to the other stuff. Enjoy. And I felt this way last Sunday and I, I feel this way recording this one. Enjoy this game like this. I'm, I, I'm telling you, People are going to be talking about this one for a long time. This was like this. You know how good this game was? This game was so good. Like I said, it made me forget about the fence, but this game was so good that it was like a pre COVID type of game where like every game that I've watched over the last you know calendar year in all sports, I've always been cognizant to the fact that it's weird. It's off. Something is strange. This one was so intense that, yeah, it, uh, it felt for a brief second, like the world was back to normal. And that's, Win or lose, that's irreplaceable. So, yeah, that will moral, do it for t- – go ahead. The moral of the episode is just enjoy the little things. I mean, yeah. this is ultimately – this isn't a totally little thing, but hold on to the good stuff. Hold on to the good stuff and uh, and be outward with how happy it makes you feel. So yeah. that's the lesson of today. Right, because uh, happiness in the last year – has been uh, at a premium cost, seemingly. So, yeah, no, I'm with you completely. But that'll that'll do it for today's show. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. You guys know the drill if you listen to this pod by now. But uh, I have another show, Locked on Tigers, at Locked on Tigers on Twitter. Spring training has begun. There will be Tigers news to talk about. Are they going to lose 100 games this year, or will it only be 99? Only time will tell. We'll discuss that on the pod. <laughs> so so uh, follow me on all those platforms. I have a YouTube channel as well. Where I've been churning out a bunch of reviews lately reviewed nomad land which is you know the odds on favorite right now to win best picture so check me out on all those platforms it'd be much appreciated anthony what about you you can follow me on twitter at anthony t broom um follow our shows listen to our shows on apple google spotify stitcher the google thing is still being worked out so for now apple spotify stitcher all those spots uh, again Appreciate your time. It's if we sound like broken records, like like blame them for us sounding like broken records every week. It's their fault for playing so good, being so and good, being so consistent. So, and uh, we know we know what the alternative is because we dealt with it this fall. So yeah. <laughs> last, so yeah. If if you're complaining about too much of a good thing, uh, may, maybe do some soul searching. So yeah, thank you water, very much. Water is definitely finding its level. I'll yes, say that. Uh, and it's it's about time. So thank you very much for listening, <laughs> everybody. We, we'll, we'll be back here uh, tomorrow for the Brewcast. So we'll see you then. Have a good one. Go Blue.